0: The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 414. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. To the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all the social media accounts on my webpage, BrianMcClanahan.com. That's B R I O N. McClanahan.com. While you there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com. McClanahanAcademy.com is always free to enroll. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, You get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. Also, click on that support tab at brianmclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. Help keep these lights on. You can get your book plate there if you want my autograph on one of my books. I've got a bunch of those. Latest is Southern Scribblings. Get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Books a Million, wherever books are sold online, at least the big book retailers. You can also go to learntruehistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, another great website where I teach with Tom and a whole bunch of other great faculty members. You can click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com and get your Brian McClanahan Show logo and all kinds of cool stuff. So lots of great ways to support the show. But the best way, of course, is to share it around on social media, rate it wherever you get your podcasts, let people know you're listening to this show, move it up the rankings, listen to the show when it first comes out. Don't wait two or three weeks Get it out there, get it going, because that's how it moves up the charts and people see it because it's recommended. If you watch it on YouTube, watch it when it first comes out. If you listen to it on your favorite podcast website, which it should be out there on all of those, you can listen to it early, get it done, and let people know you're listening to it. We want people thinking locally and acting locally. We need that. That's the way we turn things around in America. So, And send me your show requests. If you want to hear something, let me know. I always read them. I don't always respond, but I do read them. Okay. Let me talk about the article that I want to hit on today. And it was something I mentioned in the last episode when I was talking about Paul Gottfried's piece on Con Inc., Conservative Inc., the Social Justice Conservatives. This is the rise of Biden Republicans, right? So this is actually a long piece in Politico. It says it takes 28 to 35 minutes to read it. I'll I'll go through it. But the point of this particular piece is to talk about a, the shifting sands of American politics, how things are changing in America. It used to be we were talking about Reagan Democrats. Now we're talking about Biden Republicans. And this is where the, the conservative movement has gone. What they've decided to do is try to, is try to grab the middle ground in America. They could just get that middle ground. You see what we really need in America is about four major factions. We need a center left, a center right, a right and a left. And certainly the center factions would almost always win. But can you imagine if you had to have coalitions develop? if you know the right was able to actually grab some power and they had to form you had to, to make anything work, you had to form a coalition government with them. What could you get done? What could the right get done? We're seeing right now in the United States Senate how one senator. Joe Manchin is essentially dominating the entire Senate because he is the swing vote. He's the guy that the left needs to get their agenda done. He's the guy the right needs, or the I should say the, the Republicans need, to try to soften the agenda. Because they don't block it, they just soften it. There are a couple of good Republicans, I guess, in the Congress, but there aren't many. So they need Joe Manchin to say, you know what stupid $15 an hour minimum wage? And at least seven Democrats voted against that, which was good. But they didn't vote. I mean, look, the, the, the Federal Reserve is monetizing the debt now. This is dangerous. There's a lot of things going on. And as I said in the last episode, some of the culture war stuff is really a distraction. I mean, they're not saying it's not important because it is, but these things that people talk about because, in their mind, it affects their everyday life. You send your kids to school. What do they get taught there? Uh, you're in an employment situation, and maybe some things are happening there you don't like. So the culture war is important, but if we had real federalism, all this stuff would work out. The problem is nationalization. Everything is nationalized. Everything becomes a top-down issue, and that's what the left wants. They want every issue to be nationalized because they know they have a razor-thin majority of the American population, and they can use the federal court system to their advantage. I'm going to talk about communism and how crazy this stuff is. And look, if you want to talk about absolute clown crazy world, it's the Stalinist's and the Leninists, more the Leninists in early Soviet Russia. These people were absolutely off their rocker, and we're seeing a lot of parallels between that, and I'll get into that in the next episode. But these Biden Republicans are, as this article argues, are the new Reagan Democrats. So who are these people, and what are they doing, and why is this important? So I want to get into this. Now, this is to, again, if Biden really won, I mean, we know he won, but... How he won, if it was all legitimate, everything was above board legitimate, which I think there's a lot of questions about how legitimate all this mail in voting can be. And, uh, you know, there's so how does that actually work? I mean, we don't know. We'll never know. I said this about the 1960 election. We'll never know how much cheating went on there. We don't ever know how much cheating went. We we know there was cheating in 1860 and 64. We know there was cheating. How much, though? How much is legitimate? How much is not legitimate? Nobody will ever know. So Biden wins. We know we have this huge number of people voting. What's interesting about all that, of course, is that Trump carries, and as this article talks about, Trump carried some important bellwether areas that usually, if you win those, you win the election. And that's because, again, the Republicans were basing the election on the old way to do it. You show up and vote. The left has gone beyond that now. They don't care about that anymore. In fact, they don't want you to show up to vote. They don't want anybody to show up to vote. They want you to vote on your cell phone. No ID, no nothing. Just go into an app. vote Voter app. The voter app. Go in there. I mean, I don't even know the voter app. Go in there and vote early and often, (laughs) as much as you want. Just keep voting. Polls are open. Go vote. Uh, The 2024 election is now open. Go vote. This is what they would like. 2024 is now open. We don't even know who the candidates are going to be, but we know we're going to run Joe Biden. So go ahead and vote for Biden now. Just vote today, vote tomorrow, vote next year. Keep voting for Joe Biden. uh, And that will give us a commanding lead by the time we have to have the polls open. Republicans will go and they'll walk to the polls and they'll drive to the polls and do those things. Democrats don't need to do that anymore. We just vote from our app. Vote the voterapp.com or whatever it is. That's all we're going to have. So either we increase the electorate you know, to a point of 100% participation, which is shockingly hard to do, right? So this is why people are saying, wait a second here, there's a few red flags going on. I mean, how, how legitimate is this thing? But if that's the case, we know that the Democrats will out-hustle the Republicans. But I want to get into this. So if we're in that new phase where we've got all these new voters, well, what do you do? And this particular article seems to think that there's a lot of this going on, that these old, you know, they they would have been Republicans, they would have voted for Trump, but Trump was just too mean. He's too mean. He tweets too much. So now instead of, you know, worrying about Trump's tweets, we got to worry about a man who can't even remember who his secretary of defense is or the Pentagon, can't remember the name of it, and he's out bombing foreign countries. And that's a recipe for disaster. We're monetizing the debt. We're doing things that are really important. That can affect the livelihoods of people. We were agreeing to shut down the economy. This is crazy, but yet, this is what these Biden Republicans want. I guess I don't know. So the piece by Zach Stanton at Politico. There are unwritten rules that dictate dictate how American politics works. Former president shouldn't weigh in on partisan squabbles. An incumbent senator shouldn't support a primary challenger running against a fellow incumbent. And if you're an elected official, avoid directly comparing yourself to Abraham Lincoln. Show some humility and instruct surrogates to do that on your behalf. <laughs> well, that would be a bad thing to be compared to Abraham Lincoln, in my opinion. Nobody, if you, I mean, that's, you want to be compared to a guy that wiped out a million Americans? That I mean, this is the problem. See, the left, as I mentioned in the last episode, the left and the right see eye to eye on these because the left loves Abraham Lincoln. He's their guy. I mean, this is the, this is the guy that, Put him on this path, uh, this new central authority, and the right somehow wants to reclaim Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Abraham Lincoln's really our guy. We're all gonna fight over what the what the Declaration means and doesn't mean. It's all stupid. Never try to correct a middle schooler spelling the word potato, and if you want to take the pulse of white middle America, go to its de facto national capital, Makeham County, Michigan. Notice how getting into identity politics here. White. Middle America. Every four years, as if driven by mainspring, presidents, those aspiring to be presidents, and the reporters who cover them return to the blue-collar Detroit suburbs to try out their messages and make sense of what's happening in Middle America. Presidents will visit, visit the community college campus in Warren, where President Ronald Reagan famously declared, I'm a former Democrat. And I hate to have to say, I didn't leave my party. My party left me. And where President Barack Obama announces ill-fated American graduation initiative, a planned $12 billion investment in community colleges. And think, in the campaign season, candidates will swing by local factories to make major economic speeches, as Hillary Clinton did in 2016, take shots at NAFTA, and celebrate new trade deals, as Donald Trump did in 2020, and hold campaign debilitating photo ops, as Michael Dukakis did when he donned a helmet and drove around an M1 Abrams tank. Reporters will talk to voters that the ubiquitous Coney Island diners hold televised roundtables with average Joes at bars and pry political chestnuts from local locals wearing cutoffs and playing games. It's been this way since the mid-1980s, when a Yale-based academic and pollster named Stanley Greenberg turned his attention from studying the interplay of class and race in apartheid South Africa to try to explain what was happening in Maycomb. So yeah, I mean, Maycomb's just like apartheid South Africa... <laughs> It's the same thing. Just a bunch of white people that don't want to that don't like uh, you know, minorities. I mean, essentially that's that's what this piece look, this is what there's there's an undercurrent here. You gotta get that. By nineteen eighty four it was landslide territory for Ronald Reagan. The population was overwhelmingly white and thoroughly middle class, largely living in tracked homes and driving their cars to industrial jobs throughout Metro Detroit. They were, by all appearances, Democrats, but they weren't voting like it. Why not? After convening a series of focus groups, Greenberg coined a term for these voters, Reagan Democrats, and a theory of the case. In these voters' eyes, the leaders who were supposed to fight for them seemed to care more about the blacks in Detroit and the protesters on campus. They seemed to care more about equal rights and abortion than about mortgage payments and crime, Greenberg wrote. So it's really all about race, and these people are uneducated. They're stupid. They They just care about race. The old politics has failed for them. What they really want is a new political contract, and the freedom to dream the American dream again make them... Maycomb, he said, is the site of an historic upheaval that has re- wrecked the old and promises a new, volatile kind of politics. For four decades now, the his- that historic upheaval and the quest for the support of Reagan Democrats has defined American politics, from the rise of Bill Clinton's New Democrats, which Greenberg, as Clinton's pollster, had a central role in crafting, to George W. Bush's compassionate conservatism, to Barack Obama's politis. uh, uh, tested I'm sorry, evisceration of Mitt Romney's venture capital experience of Donald Trump's white grievance mongering and tirades against NAFTA. White grievance mongering. After Obama won Maycomb in 2008 and 2012, Trump captured it in 2016 and 2020. Then something important happened. It leaned too hard on into... And leaning too hard into white identity politics and perhaps being too focused on what he thought Reagan Democrats wanted, Trump accelerated the rise of a new voting bloc that is, in many ways, a mirror image of the Reagan Democrats. Call them Biden Republicans. So because of Trump's racism, which isn't really real, uh, these Biden Republicans showed up. I dare say probably most of these people who are saying Trump is just saying these mean things on Twitter probably aren't even on Twitter, don't even know what it is, don't even know how to use it. Don't follow it, don't do anything with it. They're on Facebook, probably. Uh, most boomers are on Facebook. Maybe some of these people aren't. Uh, maybe some of these people aren't on on or know how to use Twitter. Like the Reagan Democrats, they're heavily white and live in so- suburbs. But where Reagan Dems are blue-collar and culturally conservative, Greenberg sees the Biden Republicans as more affluent, highly educated, and supportive of diversity. You see, the Reagan Democrats are a bunch of hayseed dummies that just are worried about paychecks and, and paying, uh, and paying a, a mortgage. But these Biden Republicans, they're enlightened people. They're enlightened. They live in suburbs, and they are rich. And... Uh, they are they. Uh, they worry about diversity, whereas Trump didn't worry about diversity at all. I mean, even though Trump talked about it a lot, he didn't. He didn't worry about these things. You know, he was just interested in white America, and that was it. But Biden, Biden Republicans are just enlightened, good people, like the Reagan Democrats, as I said. Uh, let's see. Historically, they identified with the Republican Party as their political home, but the leaders who were supposed to fight for them seemed to care more about right grievance and keeping out immigrants, seemed to care more about social issues and owning the libs than about childcare payments and college tuition. Oh, wait. The blue Democrats, the, the Reagan Democrats, I thought cared about those things, but they didn't care about that. It was more about owning the libs and being mean on Twitter. So these, these Biden Republicans, I mean, they're, they're enlightened folks. Enlightened folks. Right? They care about college tuition and child care payments. They don't consider themselves Democrats, at least not yet, but they're voting for them, delivering them majorities in the House and Senate. That's a funny statement because the House got the Democrats got crushed in the House in the twenty twenty elections. Crushed. This is where, you know, the people talked about inconsistencies and downvoting. A lot of people voted for the president, but not so much for the House and the Senate races, which is why they're saying, Well, this is where Uh, there's a little disconnect there. But I think part of that is just because of the laser beam focus we have on the presidency in America. People don't care about voting for anything else because they don't know what it means. Most Americans don't know what it means. All they know is, I don't like Donald Trump because uh, there's a song about him out there that uh, people sing that's vulgar and uh, that that means I'm going to be cool and vote against Donald Trump. I just don't like Donald Trump. Most of it is just groupthink. You ask these people, tell me, what Donald Trump actually did, and they're going to come up with something that they can't even—they can't even define it, or it's based on half truth The blue anon, as you know, the, the, the social media is talking about now, that the conspiracies from the left that aren't really, you know, called conspiracies, and making Joe Biden just the fourth candidate in the past century to defeat an incumbent president. Now, with the support of Biden Republicans, short up at least for the time being, Joe Biden is embarking on an audacious gambit. That's gone largely unnoticed, but a successful could kneecap national Republicans for a decade, recapturing the support of the Reagan Democrats. Biden is very self-consciously campaigning for Maycomb County type, white working class voters for whom a race is not the only thing that's driving the vote, but went to Trump in 2016 because of globalization, their belief that Democrats were not fighting for American workers. America first rhetoric was a part of Biden's campaign. It's still part of build back better. Yep. I agree, right? Biden's rhetoric might be about that, but he's not doing any of it because when you do what he's doing, um, there's nothing going on there, right? I mean, and I, look, hopefully voters are savvy enough to see this, but Biden is an international; he's a globalist, and he's going to give away the farm, and that puts Republicans in a strategically difficult position. You have this kind of battle in the of the mainstream between Reagan Democrats who voted for Reagan. Came back to vote for Bill Clinton, some voted for Obama, and a whole new set of voters brought in by Trump, says Greenberg. In both 2016 and 2020, Trump brought in new voters, people animated by white nationalism and racial resentment. No, they know that that wasn't the case. And racial resentment, and whose overwhelming motivation is a deep worry that black people and immigrants will control the country. Where is he getting this stuff? Where is he getting this stuff? I'd like to see how many people actually... uh, Now, tell me, voter, why did you select Trump? Well, you know what? I want... You know what it's all about for me? It's all about white nationalism and keeping immigrants out. I don't want black people voting. How many people would actually say that? No one, because nobody thinks that, unless they're a bunch of morons. But this is how this stuff in Politico is so stupid. Greenberg's making this stuff up as he goes. And who voting straight-ticket Republican to save the country, says Greenberg, but by courting these votes, Republicans risk pushing the Biden-Republicans further to the Democratic side of the ledger. I never heard Trump court a white nationalist in my life. In fact, the white nationalists didn't like him. I mean, what I've seen in news reports, they hated the guy because he didn't go far enough on their side. So how is this, you know, motivating factor? It's ridiculous. Another option, of course, is to try to keep these new Trump voters active, which could be a major political gamble, especially when Trump isn't on the ballot, and try to run up margins with the Reagan Democrats. One big problem with that, Joe Biden. I don't think Joe Biden's a problem for really anything. Joe Biden is not a problem for, I mean, it, it, for he's napping too much, goes to bed at 7, puts a log on the fire and calls it, you know, puts a lid on it, calls it a day. Biden lacks the cosmopolitan appeal of Obama but to Reagan Democrats it's a feature not a bug. Obama was pro globalization. We believed and benefit believe we benefited from it says Greenberg. He would have been embarrassed to see a company that was bringing jobs back from abroad to be, to build America. He would have been embarrassed to highlight that. But Biden will. It's Trump's economic populism without Trump's dog sees a squirrel message discipline. So Biden's just a good blue collar democrat. Really, that's what he is. Obama's gonna be embarrassed about Bringing an American company home. He likes globalization, but Biden's not really a globalist. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He doesn't want to insult China, he doesn't want to insult anybody in the Middle East, doesn't want to do He's a globalist. He's 100% a globalist. Biden's a disaster. Trump voters, a large portion of them, want a welfare state that is dependable for working people. And Biden's proposed $1.9 trillion COVID relief package should make a tangible difference in their lives. Yeah, by causing runaway inflation. As we monetize the debt. It's just stupid stuff. We get into this. Do the Reagan Democrats stick with non-Trump Republicans if Biden's Democrats deliver reopened schools, a strong economy, a huge investment in infrastructure, and $3,600 per child benefit to families on top of a 1400 stimulus check? Well, I don't think that's going to happen. 3600 per child is not there. Um... Who was actually getting the economy going, though? It was Trump, and of course the vaccinations was Trump, and the, all that stuff was happening under Trump. Trump was saying, open the schools a long time ago. Biden was always saying, don't do it. So, I mean, Biden's going to get credit for these things, obviously, because this is how ridiculous American politics are. But this is a major problem. For Republicans, Greenberg sees a reality not unlike the one Democrats faced when he first decamped in Macon County. They're going to have to lose a few elections before they can be a new di- be a new dynamic within the Republican Party. Just as the Democrats lost a lot of national elections before Bill Clinton was able to change that party. So, Bill Clinton changed the Democrat Party. I don't think so. The Democrat Party has gone so far left Bill Clinton wouldn't even be. I mean, look they they as Clinton said in 26 well, they played the race card on me. I knew they were going to do it. They played it on me. They played it on Hillary. They keep doing it. They're playing the race card on all of us. It's because you're too far right for them. Even Joe Biden's too far right in some ways. I mean, even though Biden's just look, Joe Biden just really wants to be president. He'll do whatever they tell him to do. Ultimately, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna cave in all these things. He's gonna do what they tell him. Uh, particularly as we now, maybe the first year or two, if he make. I mean, gosh, the guy is just seems to be gaff after gaff because of age problems. So he makes it all four years and he decides he's going to run again. Watch the last two years become, he becomes much more prone to be on the left. Because first of all, I think the Democrats are going to get crushed in the 2022 20, uh, elections. They are going to get crushed. So look for Biden once that happens, and he, the Democrats don't control the Congress anymore. Look for Biden to go far left. He's going to go as far left as he can because he thinks that then he doesn't have to play this game anymore. He'll go far left. He'll do what the party tells him. you got to do this. And prediction, when that happens, the Democrats are going to get crushed even more. Because I think Americans are going to get tired of this stuff. They're already tired of it. They're already showing signs. They're getting tired of, of all of the stupidity that comes out of the Democrat side. But Politico doesn't think so. One of the key insights of your work identifying the Reagan Democrats was that These white, blue-collar suburbanites who were traditionally Democrats saw the party as increasingly detached from their political concerns and instead aligned with the people of color, academics, and cultural elites. Was Donald Trump at the end end point of that shift? It's hard to imagine a pure distillation of many of those components. You know, I'm not sure we understand all the dynamics in American politics right now. We have this battle kind of in the mainstream between Reagan Democrats who voted for Reagan, came back to vote for Clinton, and some voted for Obama, and a whole new set of voters brought by Trump, and I don't know how it's going to play out. First, there's one level of discussion that's about persuasion. If you look at the Reagan Democrats, they were dealing with their unions. They were part of the establishment networks. You know, they would reject it in particular elections. But in most elections, they were aligned with what the big unions were doing. And Democrats were winning down ballot despite their problems at the presidential level. Then overlaying the persuasion battle is the engagement and mobilization component. Trump came to lead a kind of Tea Party, anti-government revolt against elites. It really began in a revolt against Obama and the idea of an African-American president and his coalition. No, it didn't mean about it. I mean, this is just so stupid. These people He's saying things that there's no evidence of whatsoever. No evidence of. That the reason people voted uh, voted against Obama because they were afraid of an African-American president and his coalition. It's going to be just about Democrats. They were afraid of this stuff. That's not what was happening. They were afraid of a guy that was going to go in and be a massive socialist globalist. This is what they really afra- were afraid of, not his race. But this stuff, you can just say it and just gets, oh, yeah, that's right, because Politico said it. Just so, so stupid. Trump challenged that assumption and produced huge turnout in 2016 by people who had not voted before, but that kind of reversed in a series of historic elections. The 2018 midterms had the highest turnout in the history of midterms. Brought out more college-educated voters, suburban college-educated voters, and not so much white working-class voters, and Democrats had a good year. And then the election of 2020 had virtually the highest turnout since William McKinley in the populist era. Just a huge increase. How much of that was real? Trump bought in all kinds of new voters in 2016, and I didn't realize that he could do it again in 2020. The voter-eligible population was like a one-point decline in the percentage of white n- non-college voters between 2016 and 2020, yet Trump increased turnout. Their share of the electorate by seven points. That was done by bringing in new voters. Yeah. The difference is Trump's new voters are voting to save the country, solve the democratic demographic problem, and they are voting a straight ticket. Everyone else is kind of in between. But they, vo- they, but they are voting to save the country from being the diverse place that has tolerant values and is open to immigration. They're voting for every Republican and against every Democrat, top to bottom. Um. A lot of this is just nonsense. A lot of this piece. Uh, the shift of college-educated voters towards Democrats has been going on from the time from the election of Bill Clinton in 1992 up through George uh, Gore. I'm sorry, in 2000 and beyond. Had a fight with Rahm Emanuel when he was heading the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. James Carville and I were arguing that the congressional district lines have been drawn with the standard assumption that college-educated and wealthier voters were strong Republicans. That, in fact, that demographic had flipped, and if you went a little bit uh, further than just the races with the most resources being spent, there were many more competitive seats than people realized. We won control of the House in 2006, and we gained seats in 2008, which surprised people, but that was because of this trend. Well, this is something that, you know, when you go back and look at the philosophical underpinnings of modern liberalism, while well, they're... One of the main tenets of progressivism in particular is elitism. The progressives are always elitists. You Look at John Stuart Mill and Jeremy Bentham, progressives. Now, Mill is often claimed by libertarians because he does write some things that would be in line with libertarians. But um, when you look at utilitarianism, I mean, this is what the elite should vote more. I mean, look, Mill believed that elite should have more votes. This is part of progressivism. Millennials and gen- Generation Z have a much higher proportion of college uh, educational attainment, and they're increasing their share of the electorate. These value- The values of these voters continue to be aligned with Democrats, so I actually think they're more likely to be ticket splitters. If you look at the midterms versus what happened in 2020, Democrats had a drop-off in support with them, but I think they were actually acting normally, whereas Trump's new white working class and rural voters were not. Many of them are new to the electorate and voting with a different kind of energy, voting straight ticket to save the country. Anything short of that level of support, it's going to look like Democrats are just renting those suburban voters. But the Democrats' new voters are being normal people, too, who didn't vote 100% party line. Uh, There's a question here. You mentioned the sense among certain Trump voters of needing to save the country. Describe that. What animates that existential concern? Is it purely about race? Is it something else? Well, yeah, racial resentment is a very strong piece. So these people want to save the country from people of different races. Does he have proof? Does he have people running around saying this is just, oh, yeah, yeah, racial resentment. Does he have any proof? I think we underestimate how powerful a movement was when Barack Obama won and then got re-elected. To this coalition, they view Obamacare as simply paying off this his base of voters with big government payoffs to ensure a permanent democratic majority. I think Obama campaigning in every election has given them the rationale they have to vote. It's why Trump made reversing Obama's legacy, reversing everything Obama did, feature centrally in his rallies. Obama represented a whole change America that they had to stop. Um, Let me get to a couple other questions. Right now, polling shows overwhelming public support for Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package. I'm curious how you read that. Is it a sign of the Reagan-era consensus about small government is over? Greenberg, I don't think the Republicans are as disillusioned with Trump as polls suggest, but I do think there's huge support for the relief package. Trump voters, a large portion of them, want a welfare state that is dependable on for working people. The Reagan Democrats and those white working class voters are incredibly pro-Medicaid expansion. Look at what happened in any, in any of these the Senate races in 18 in states on minimum wage or Medicare expansion. The minimum wage and Medicaid expansion excuse me, won by much bigger numbers than, than the incumbents. I mean, it won in Utah. So he gets asked a lot of questions in this particular piece. I mean, this is a long piece. I, I, I want to get to the end of the piece. Last couple of questions. How does the racial resentment you saw in studying South Africa compare with the racial divide you see in the U.S. right now? So the question is asked, well, is South Africa like the United States? Greenberg. During the apartheid period, their their fear was existential. The fear that, Only by maintaining this apartheid system could they maintain their way of life. And that, no, we couldn't do this in pieces because once you do, you begin to chip apartheid away. I don't want to put all the Trump voters in that world. There are a lot of them who haven't been involved at all. They've been politically disengaged. But Trump has brought a segment of white nationalists in. It's very real in that apartheid-era fear in South Africa does look like their world, but that isn't true of all Trump voters. Just a few. I mean, just this whole, I mean, the rally there, those were all bad people, right? Just a few voters. They're not all white supremacists and white nationalists, but most are. <laughs> That's what Greenberg is saying. Prior to the 2020 campaign, you wondered whether Democrats were ready to use government after the decade after of anti-government tyranny. Based on what you've seen so far, are they? Absolutely, yes, he says. I'm actually stunned by how much consensus there is around using the government to really deliver for people. I think the Biden administration buys that. The gap between the progressive wing and the Biden wing, if that is a wing, is small. You look at the relief package. There's like one piece they're arguing about. But if you look at what they're agreeing on, producing a child benefit, not just child care, but also a child benefit, which is more of a European kind of safety net, combined with a great expansion of health care, I think you're dealing with a big change. Full disclosure, Greenberg's wife is Congresswoman Rosa Delario, a leading proponent of the child benefit. Oh, yeah, this guy's completely impartial, isn't he? His wife is in Congress, and he's saying these things about Trump because his wife is in Congress. Right now, everyone thinks the government needs to deliver in a big way. I think that scares Republicans, and it'll be interesting to see. People are going to see real benefits, and not just a $2,000 stimulus piece, but something more enduring. If you look at the proposed $3,600 per child that's delivered in installments monthly to people's checking accounts, that only reduces child poverty It's virtually every middle class person that we are talking about. Biden is willing to say, I'm fighting to do this, not had a Democrat. I mean, when Clinton ran in 92, his message was very much about fighting for the middle class and a very populist and nationalist component to it. But that was not the case further into his administration, when the virtues of free trade was more a part of the democratic assumptions about the world. Obama was pro-globalization and believed we benefited from it. He would have been embarrassed to see a company that was bringing jobs back from abroad to build America. He would have been embarrassed to highlight that. But Biden will. We're looking at a very different time. At the start of every focus group, you ask people to fill in the blank in this sentence. I feel blank about the way things are going in the country. How would you, Stan Greenberg, fill in that blank? I feel deeply, 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 deeply for boating and uncertain. I think we're in a battle for democracy whose outcome is uncertain. This guy is completely nonpartisan, right? Completely. But this is the kind of stuff that you're getting. Now, these Biden Republicans, I I mean, this this is a hit piece on Trump more than anything else. That was the goal of it. This is about the soul of the Republican Party, which I think should just go away, right? The GOP is a disaster. It always has been. It's always been interested in itself more than anything else. But you have this this ongoing civil war that's been around for over 30 years. I mean, to say this is all about Biden is to miss the point of what's actually happening in American conservatism. Nobody really understands it because they don't have any historical perspective on things. But in the 1980s, you saw this. The much more conservative members of the Republican Party bolt in many ways because of some mismanagement by the Reagan administration But you've got some really interesting stuff happening behind the scenes of the Republican Party, and I think that's one of the more interesting parts of of what's going on now. Are these Biden Republicans going to stay Biden Republicans? I think they will. Look, I think they'll probably side with Biden. This is why, what I've said before, if you've got a moderate Republican, which Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden are moderate Republicans. That's what they are. They're moderate Republicans. They're moderates. You got a moderate Republican, and then you got someone on the far left. Vote for the far leftist because at least you're going to get what you're what you're going to get faster. Why prolong the pain? Just get it over with. So what we're seeing now in D.C. is this middle coalition developing between moderate Republicans, Mitt Romney types, and Joe Biden types, and that's creating a really nasty moderate situation in government that's being that's being driven by the left. The moderate Democrats are still driven by the left. They just don't go quite as fast, but they're going to get there. We're going to get $15 an hour minimum wage. Guarantee it. It's going to happen, but it's going to happen in stages. And so that's one of the big things going on right now. But uh, I think we do need to think about American politics. And this is where Think Locally, Act Locally comes in. Look, if we all just did that, it wouldn't matter what Joe Biden wants to do. Foreign policy would be important, but that's what we should be focusing on with the president, right? Foreign policy, not. uh, What is Biden going to do with uh, such and such domestic policy? This is ridiculous questions. All right. Well, that's my take on this particular rise of the Biden Republicans. And, uh, I mean, ridiculous stuff, but, I mean, this is to be expected. Trump's react, the reaction to Trump among Republicans is to be expected. Um, because they think he's mean, right? So we can't have a mean president. we got to have somebody who gets along with the Democrats. we got to have Mitt Romney and John McCain. They were civil. George W. Bush, he was civil. Look at what they said about George... I mean, even Mitt Romney when he ran in 2012. I mean, some of the things that were said about him. Just horrible stuff. All right. And why these people want to, want to have acceptance from the left, I don't understand. It's something I mentioned last podcast. Acceptance. South is guilty of this. They want the North to like the South. And Republicans are guilty of wanting the left to like them. Why? The response to all the stupidity should be, so what? Move on. Have a positive agenda and go for it. We want to cut taxes. We want to cut spending. We want to rein in the bureaucracy. These are things we want to do. If I wish the left would say we want to bring all the troops home. Or the right, I'm sorry, would say we want to bring all the troops home. We want to bring them home. These are our core tenants. has nothing to do with anything else. These are things that people want conservatives to do and fight for. One of the things that endeared Trump to people is that he often fought for things, whereas George W. Bush didn't. All right, I digress. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time. See you then.